This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. We're on the Pat O'Keefe Show, coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina, as the Knicks road trip continues with a game in a couple hours against the Charlotte Hornets. Knicks looking for their third win in a row, which would equal their longest winning streak of the season. It is a football weekend, of course. The Giants and the Jets both in action, varying degrees of importance in those two games. And Obviously, a lot of other important games across the NFL and a lot of off-court drama, too. You just heard the update at the top of the hour, the Joe Burrow story, which I find very interesting. Have some thoughts on that. Uh, Obviously, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan, uh, well, Michigan without Jim Harbaugh are in action right now. Uh, Once again, playing without their head coach, who by the end of the season will likely miss more regular season games than he will have actually coached. But how much does that continue to affect the Wolverines? So we've got a lot going on here on this uh, final Saturday before Thanksgiving. We're already at this point of the season. Uh, If you look at the two New York teams right now, the two New York football teams, well, one of them still has a season going right now, barely. And, but barely, but it's still there if you're the Jets. And this is a, a huge, huge game for them this week as they go up to Orchard Park to take on the Bills. It could be a situation where you're catching the team at the exact right time. Buffalo is a team in disarray right now. The Jets, their last two weeks, let two golden opportunities slip through their fingers. So now, once again, they're in a familiar spot. You know, they're clinging to some sort of a playoff contention conversation by the skin of their teeth. And unfortunately for the Jets over the last five, six, seven years, that's the best you really could have hoped for for this franchise at this point in the season, just to be in the conversation by the time we get to Thanksgiving. And unfortunately, that's not a really comfortable place to be if you're the Jets. But that's where we are with the Jets. And, you know, it is what it is. It's the best you could hope for for this franchise. Two weeks ago, things looked a lot better. You beat the Eagles. You were gifted a win against the Giants. You were above 500. You had two eminently winnable games ahead of you on your schedule. Worst case scenario with the Chargers at home and then going to Vegas to play the Raiders. Worst case scenario, split those two games. And oh my God, how much better would their life be if they were to split those two games? But they didn't. So they come into this game. They limp into this game against the Bills at four and five. And they really have to stop the bleeding against a team that's in disarray. We've got plenty of calls, 1-800-919-3776. Uh, we'll have plenty of thoughts on the Jets. I do want to start with the Knicks. We're in Charlotte. We're at the Spectrum Center. Knicks and Hornets tonight. Second night of a back-to-back for the Knicks. They beat the Wizards last night, 120-99 to in D.C. The Knicks are 7-5 and five now on the season. They're 4-3 and three on the road. This is a tough early season road trip. It's a five-game trip. It started with a back-to-back with the Knicks playing these Hornets on Sunday at the Garden and then in Boston on Monday night. They split those two. And then here we are towards the tail end of the trip and another back-to-back. Now, this one, difficult in the sense that two different cities, both road games, but not so difficult in the sense that Washington, who we saw last night and the Knicks beat him by 21 points, might be the worst team in the NBA. Might be the worst team in the entire NBA. And now we'll see the Hornets for the second time in a week here in a couple of hours. We'll have that for you right here in 98.7 ESPN New York. The Hornets are up there or down there, if you will, with the Washington Wizards in terms of the worst teams in the NBA. So really an opportunity for the Knicks to push themselves a few games above the 500 mark in the Eastern Conference. They're off to a good start. If you look at what the Knicks schedule has been at the beginning of the season, um, at 7-5 and five right now, that is, that's where they should be. 
you know, that they've played Boston twice. They've played, this will be their fourth back-to-back. The schedule has been very difficult so far for the Knicks. Um, you looked at all of the things before the season, all the what-ifs, you know, what has to happen for the Knicks to take that next step outside of, of course, outside of bringing in a top 10, top 15 NBA star. Outside of that, what had to go right for the Knicks to take a leap this season? Well, you looked at Jalen Brunson. You know, he took a leap towards the end of last year. Could he take another leap, and could he do it from the beginning of the season? He's taken that leap. R.J. Barrett, crucial year for him. Fifth year in the NBA. Could he take a leap? Well, unfortunately, Barrett, this road trip, has been battling a migraine. He's been out for the last three games. The Knicks have played well without him. He's already missed five games this season two because of a knee injury, and the last three because of the migraine. When he has played, he's playing the best basketball of his career. He's taken a leap. Julius Randle had a very, very slow start when the Knicks started two and four. The shooting wasn't there. He was working his way back from offseason ankle surgery. Well, he has certainly stabilized himself the last six games, scoring at least 20 points in each of those six games. Emmanuel quickly has taken a leap. Again, he was a similar path to Jalen Brunson last year. First half of the season, okay, pretty good. Second half of the season, playing some of the best basketball of his career. Which quickly would you see this year? Well, it turns out it was the one we saw the second half of last season. Mitchell Robinson has taken a leap. If you looked at the Knicks before this season began and you said, okay, how many of these things can happen? Brunson, Barrett, quickly, Robinson, all of them take steps forward. I think you would have taken half of those four. All four of those guys have taken a leap so far this year. This is a team that is tough-minded. It plays well on the road. It played well on the road last year. It plays well when it's shorthanded. They've been missing Barrett this entire trip. Last night, they were also without Quentin Grimes. So they were essentially down to a seven-man rotation. Tom Thibodeau has to go to Miles McBride off the bench. He has to go to Evan Fournier off the bench. It's a tough-minded team. They play well on the road. They play well when they're shorthanded. They play defense. And they are clutch. Now, you look around the NBA, okay? The big question from the Knicks' perspective is, where do they fit in in the grand scheme of the Eastern Conference? If you look at the Eastern Conference, you have the Boston Celtics. And the Knicks have had their fill of the Celtics. They've played them twice already this season. They've lost to them twice already this season. The Celtics are a cut above. The Celtics are a cut above everybody else in the Eastern Conference. That includes Milwaukee with their two superstars, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard. That includes the 76ers who have gotten off to a hot start but are starting to come back to the pack a little bit without James Harden. That includes the Miami Heat who have won seven games in a row and will be at Madison Square Garden for a very big game next Friday night. The Celtics are a cut above everybody. But as you size up those other teams that I just mentioned, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, which is still trying to figure out the pairing with its two stars and still trying to figure out how to play effective defense. Miami, which has a different look than it did last season and is aging, especially their star player, Jimmy Butler. The second spot in the Eastern Conference is there for the taking for these Knicks. And what you're seeing right now for the Knicks that you haven't seen in recent years, what you are seeing right now is the Knicks get off to a good start. And it's even more impressive considering their schedule, their first 10 games, nine of them or eight of them were against teams that last year were either playoff teams or teams that were in the play-in tournament. Okay, so it was very difficult out of the gate. Nine of their first 14 games are going to be on the road. They've only played five home games at Madison Square Garden. It's a front-loaded road schedule. So a lot of it is set up for the Knicks to get off to a slow start, and yet they've withstood the difficult part of that early season schedule. 
and they sit here at seven and five. And even in recent years of success, and by recent years of success, I mean the Tom Thibodeau years, because the Knicks went seven years without going to the playoffs. And then during the pandemic, they hired Tom Thibodeau. His first season, they went to the playoffs as the number four seed. His next year, they took a step back when some of the offseason acquisitions did not work out. And then last year, they had their best season in a decade. They won 47 games. They won a first-round playoff series. They went to the second round of the playoffs and were two wins away from going to the conference finals. So in this recent era of Knicks' success, even then, the one thing the Knicks haven't been able to do is enjoy prosperity from the beginning of the season. You know, you look back to last year, they were 10 and 13 in the beginning of December. They were blown out on a Saturday afternoon by the Dallas Mavericks. The next day, the Cavaliers came into the garden. Tom Thibodeau shortened the rotation. He put Evan Fournier on the bench. He put Cam Reddish on the bench. He put Derrick Rose on the bench. He played fewer guys. He played more defensive guy, more defensive minded guys. And the Knicks responded by winning their next eight games. And they were off and running. But early in the season, and I look back at the Knicks record through 13 games. Now, if they win tonight against the Hornets, which they should, but they have to go out and do it. If they win today against the Charlotte Hornets, they would be eight and five. The last time that doesn't sound, that's not knocking anybody's socks off, right? Eight and five. It's not like 10 and three. It's not 11 and two. It's eight and five. But consider this with the Knicks. And you've gotten to a place as a Knicks fan with this head coach. And he's the driver for all of this. You know, the fortunes of this franchise, yes, they started to turn around when Leon Rose took the job as team president right before the pandemic in March of 2020. He officially assumed control of the team. But the driver of this success has been the head coach, Tom Thibodeau. So in his era, even his teams haven't gotten off to good starts. His first year, they were five and eight. They got hot at the end of the season. His second year, they were seven and six. Last year, they were six and seven. You have to go back to the 2012-2013 season. And that was the last time the Knicks won the Atlantic Division. That was the Carmelo Anthony 54-win season when Carmelo led the NBA in scoring that year and the Knicks went to the second round of the playoffs. That was the last time that the Knicks were at least as good as 8-5 and five throughout the first 13 games of the season. So even in the Knicks' recent years of success, they've gotten off to slow starts. They've had to figure some things out. Yes, Tom Thibodeau's teams in all three of his seasons as head coach, and this speaks to his coaching acumen. At the end of the season, the Knicks in all three of his years were playing their best basketball, but also in all three of those years, they didn't get off to the best start. Here you are right now. You've already banked a lot of difficult games. You've already banked a game against the Clippers, who are supposed to be one of the top teams in the Western Conference. You've already banked two games against the Celtics. Now, you didn't win either of those games, but you certainly could have won on opening night. You've already banked two games against the Cavaliers, including winning in Cleveland. You've already banked two road wins in Atlanta, a Hawks team that's above 500 and was a playoff team the last several seasons. So you've banked some difficult games at the start of the season. And that is a new thing for this Knicks team. If you can get off to a good start and start to separate yourself early, as opposed to always having to play from behind, that makes a world of difference in the NBA. And that is something that the Knicks have not experienced since that 2012-2013 season. It's been more than a decade. But you look at where the Knicks are in the landscape of the um, Eastern Conference, led by Brunson. Randall, his last six games, is back to his all-NBA form. You've got to get R.J. Barrett back. And look, I'll be honest, with every game that R.J. Barrett doesn't play, 
it becomes a little bit more of a concern. You know, we were in Boston on Monday. We found out about an hour and a half before the game, he was a game time decision and then was not playing. And then he didn't play in Atlanta. Last night in Washington, he was on the floor during warmups trying to get himself able to play in that game, but he wasn't able to go. So you hope the fact that he was close enough to warm up last night is a sign that he might be ready to go here tonight in Charlotte. The other thing about these games, the Washington game last night, the Hornets game here tonight, the path to 50 wins. And that's what this team should be eyeing. They won 57, uh, excuse me, they won 47 games last year. 47 and 35 was their record last season. And that was with a 10 and 13 start. All right, the next logical step for this team with another year of Jalen Brunson as their starting point guard, with Tom Thibodeau as their head coach, with the consistency. This is is the Pat O'Keefe Show. All right, we lost Ira. Hopefully he can I'm back. get back up hey, there. Pat. Oh, there's Ira. Hey, Ira, how you doing? Hey, Pat, what's going on? How are you? Happy Thanksgiving to you. And, you know, it, it's amazing. I spoke to you before the Eagles game, right? Yeah. And everything has changed so drastically ever since. And it's fun. It, it's unbelievable how mind-numbing. I'm looking at statistics. And do you know that a season gets 25% of third down uh, conversion? Okay. Who's the giant thing? They've only converted on 12 or 48 uh, third downs. It's averaging 10 points a game. They have five touchdowns, six interceptions. It's, it's amazing how inept this offensive is. And we all know the quarterback situation. We all know the offensive line. But I think Hackett and the coaching staff have to take a big blame. This is like mind-numbing statistics. Every team is dealing with either backup quarterback play, bad quarterback play, offensive line issues, and the Jets can't figure out how to get a touch. They haven't scored a touchdown in three games, basically, except for that hole run at the beginning of the Giant game. Yeah, on a dump off. Yeah, unless the Jets, if the Jets had mediocre. I'm talking mediocre quarterback play. They probably continue worse. Ira, the shame of this is you're going to look back on this season and it's going to be a lost opportunity. And you made an excellent point that I wanted to bring up. You beat me to it that the teams around the league have also lost quarterbacks. Cleveland lost their quarterback this week. Cincinnati lost their quarterback on Thursday. Las Vegas lost their quarterback. Indianapolis lost their quarterback. And these are all teams that are above the Jets in the standings. I know it was traumatic what happened four plays into the season on that Monday night game for Aaron Rodgers. But the Jets have to stop leaning on the fact that they're playing with a backup quarterback and using it as a crutch because they are by no means the only team doing that. No, and it's amazing. During the spring, after the Rogers deal went down, I begged them, I begged them to sign an adequate backup because they, they knew what they had in Zach Wilson. They they, they, think, they told this guy to go get the reset button. And you wouldn't even start in the last game against the Dolphins last year when the season was meaningless. So they knew what they had in this guy, and they they, they brought him back. They think, okay, whoever thought Rogers going out for the season – but you couldn't even trust him if he had to play two or three games. The fact that they didn't bring in a competent backup just is such a bad reason. I don't care if Joe Douglas drafted 12 Garrett Wilsons. If this season goes down the tank, this is squarely on Joe Douglas not having precautionary measures for Rodgers going down and leaving this team to Zach Wilson. Ira, I agree with that. Thanks for the call, as always. And I do think that Joe Douglas 
now has to be a bigger part of the conversation. I've always been a defender of Joe Douglas for the reason that Ira just pointed out. Yes, he whiffed dramatically on the Zach Wilson pick. Yet, despite that, they were in position last year to be a playoff team before they fell apart late. And they're still technically in position this year to be a playoff team. And the reason for that is because outside of missing so dramatically on that one pick at quarterback, he's done a really good job filling out this roster at other spots. The defense is top notch and credit for that has to go to the head coach as well. He's got a defensive background. And for two seasons now, the Jets have had a defense that has kept them in games. But this quarterback decision is it's it's a fireable offense. I'm sorry. I hate to put it so bluntly, but it's now two seasons that are being thrown away, two, right? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Last year, the Jets were seven and four, and their season crumbled because they didn't have a quarterback over the last six games. And they went from seven and four to seven and ten, and they finished out of the playoffs again. This year, and we know the steps that brought Aaron Rodgers here. And this is to Joe Douglas's credit. He put together a roster strong enough outside of the quarterback position to be appealing to one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the league. Okay. And then Rodgers goes down and you don't have a backup plan. And I agree in the off season, when you have everything set up so much, all right. And everything is hinging on this one guy who's pushing 40 years old and hasn't been a hundred percent healthy the last few years. When you've got so many eggs in the basket of Aaron Rodgers at the beginning of the season to not have a more suitable backup plan, they determined that Zach Wilson wasn't good enough to be their quarterback. They did it last season after the New England game. They did it when they started Mike White. They did it when they started Mike White when he was injured. And then they did it in the offseason when they went after Aaron Rodgers. Now, Nathaniel Hackett is not holding up his end of the bargain either, but he's untouchable. He's untouchable because he's going to be here next year because you want Aaron Rodgers to come back next year. But the Jets did not choose to solidify the backup quarterback position in the offseason. And then they had a chance at a mulligan right after Rodgers went down in the season opener. And they chose not to do anything about it there. And then after falling to one and three and looking like it was going to be another lost season, well, then you're gifted seeing the Broncos on your schedule at just the right time. And then you're gifted that Eagle. I shouldn't say gifted that Eagles game. The defense played outstanding. The Eagles made some questionable decisions and there was some good fortune, but the Jets earned that win. So at that point, what had you seen from Zach Wilson? You'd seen one really encouraging half of football in a loss against the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night. Did you go out and get a Josh Dobbs? He was available. What did he go for, a fifth-round pick or a sixth-round pick? Josh Dobbs is one of the stories of the NFL right now. Now, we don't know where it's going to go, but the margin of making the playoffs, which is a hugely important thing for this team, and not making the playoffs is razor thin. I mean, consider this. The Jets right now are, based on the playoff standings, the Jets are in 13th place in the AFC. 13th. Only seven make the playoffs. They are a game out of seventh place. All right? So one of those games, they're four and five. You swing one of those games the other way, the Jets are tied for seventh place. Josh Dobbs, 
couldn't have swung one of those games the way he's come in and won two games for the Minnesota Vikings the last couple of weeks or another veteran, more competent quarterback. So now offseason chose not to do anything with the backup quarterback position. After Rodgers went down, Zach's our guy. Chose not to do anything with that position. You fell into a one and three hole. And then the probably the worst thing that could have happened. The third game was the best game he played as a pro. You still lost the game, but it gave you enough hope that maybe he was turning a corner. And he was okay against Denver. He was okay against the Eagles. He was awful against the Giants until the final 30 seconds. He wasn't good against the Chargers. He wasn't good enough against the Raiders. And then the season gets away from you that quickly. So there were three opportunities to solidify that spot, and they decided not to do it with any of them. This is a playoff-caliber team. You've got a top-notch defense. You've got one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. You've got one of the best running backs in the NFL, and you are in 13th place in your conference. Now you're still alive. This Bills game is huge this week. You need to stop the bleeding against the Bills team that's in disarray. They're 5-5. Five and five. They're on the verge of seeing this whole era of um, Bills football, Bills playoff football coming to an end. They've already fired their offensive coordinator. The defensive coordinator was fired after last season, right? Who's next? Who's next? So that's who you're playing this week. They're in a similar boat. They're five and five. They're kind of in the middle of that same pot that the Jets are in. And this is this is it, right? This is your season in Buffalo this week. And how many times have we said that about the Jets in recent years? Let's go to Steve in New Jersey. Steve, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Love your show. Listen all the time. Thanks, I'm a Steve. diehard Jet fan. And I hate to say this, but I don't even want them to win. Because every time we win, we have to stay with this kid longer. You know, that's a shame to say that. But I'd rather them lose so we get rid of this kid. If he has, I mean, we were given the games that we that we won. Our defense is phenomenal. Our offensive line is terrible. But that kid just is not an NFL starter. No way. And and did anybody ever see that guy boil in preseason? He, he's phenomenal. He goes right down the field. Give him a shot. Yeah, the Boyle thing's – thanks for the call. See, the Boyle thing's tough, right, because when he's playing those preseason games, he's playing in the fourth quarter, and he's playing against third stringers and guys that probably aren't in the NFL anymore. But the Zach Wilson point's a good one. When you have a quarterback who drives your fan base to wanting to lose games, that's a problem. Now, what are they going to do next year? I mean, the plan for the Jets is – to have Aaron Rodgers come back next year. That's why they're holding on to Nathaniel Hackett. They're holding out hope for Aaron Rodgers to be their starting quarterback. So they don't want to upset the apple cart. You can't let Nathaniel Hackett go. That's Rodgers' guy. The only reason he's here is because that was the path in the offseason. Rodgers became available. You got Hackett on board, and then you brought in Rodgers' guys. You brought in Lazard. You brought in Randall Cobb. You brought in Tim Boyle. And then ultimately you landed the big fish. So you can't touch that part of it. So that, and that's, they're stuck because now you have Nathaniel Hackett calling plays for Zach Wilson. It's, it's, it's like, it's like the blind leading the blind, unfortunately, but the Jets wins. Look, Monday night when Rogers got hurt against Buffalo, the whole thing was emotional. I mean, it was emotional at the beginning. It was September 11th. It was Rogers, first game. He runs out onto the field. 
with the American flag. He goes down four plays in. You realize it's a Achilles. All of a sudden, Zach Wilson's back out there. Josh Allen's throwing the ball all over the field. Four turnovers, three interceptions. That's how you won that game. All right? Your next win, really the only game where the Jets went out with a better team from start to finish, took the game by the horns, controlled the game throughout, was the game in Denver against the Broncos. And that was before Sean Payton started to get things figured out with the Broncos. Look at the standings. The Broncos are now four and five. They have pulled even with the Jets in the AFC standings. They're in the same boat as the Jets. They're thinking if we can get a couple more wins, we can move up and maybe grab one of those final wild card spots. Everybody in the AFC, except the bottom two teams, is thinking that right now. But then there are other wins. The Eagles, Jalen Hurts throwing the ball downfield when he could have been more conservative. And even then, after the Jets got the interception and the long return, and I spoke about this the last time I hosted a couple of weeks ago, even then Robert Salad did all he could to give the Eagles one more chance by allowing his team to score on the first play after that possession when the Eagles were rolling out the red carpet to the end zone. And then don't get me started on the Giants game, right? That's one of the ugliest wins, I think, in the NFL in the last 50 years. But you don't throw it away. What you do is, and I said this at the beginning of the week leading up to the Eagles game, when the Jets' next four games were against the Eagles, the Giants, the Chargers, and then out in Las Vegas. I said if the Jets can win three of those four games, that would put them in excellent shape for the rest of the season. And they won the first two, including the Eagles, which was by far the toughest of those four. So you start by beating the Eagles and the Giants. All you had to do was split against the Chargers at home and the Raiders on the road after they had just fired their coach, and you couldn't even do that. And that, that, that's on the coach, that's on the quarterback, that's on a lot of people in the organization. 1-800-919-3776. Pat will keep with you from Charlotte on this Saturday afternoon on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is, is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Here from Spectrum Center in Charlotte, where I sit a little bit above the court right now, just beyond center court. Nick's looking for their third straight win on this road trip and their second win over the Hornets in a week. The injury report for the Knicks. Now, Tom Thibodeau will speak with the media uh, about 20 minutes from now, 25 minutes from now. R.J. Barrett, Evan Fournier, and Quinton Grimes are all questionable. Barrett didn't play yesterday, and neither did Grimes. Fournier did play yesterday. It was his first time playing this season, and he now appears on the injury report as questionable with right ankle inflammation. The number 1-800-919-3776. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Justin in New Jersey. Justin, how you doing? Hey, Pat. How are you doing, bud? I wanted to get on this uh, Jets conversation with you about Joe Douglas. You know, I agree with a lot about what you said earlier. You know, the Jets, you know what good organizations do? You know, they, they admit their mistakes and they move on. Look at the 49ers with Trey Lance. They gave up a boatload of draft capital and they admitted their mistake and they moved on. Zach Wilson should have never been on this roster for this team. Yes, I understand they wanted to get something in return for him and maybe hold on to him through the preseason, but he never should have been on the roster coming into week one. And, you know, as much as Joe Douglas has done well for this team and this organization, it's been a disaster since 2010. This team has not put a product on the field worthy of the, of the fan base. And, you know, coming into this year, having a 38-year-old left tackle coming off of injury and Dwayne Brown and then miss, you know, miss, I mean, Makai Becton has been, I guess, an okay offensive lineman, but wasn't worthy ever of the pick. And I don't think Tomlinson 
at guard was a good signing for the Jets either. But, you know, you've you got to be able to protect your quarterback in the NFL today. It's all about the pass rush. And you have a 39-year-old quarterback back there not, not being able to be protected. What do you think was expected to happen at that point? You know, and also, too, you know, the Jets, when they've had success in their history, they always had a, a good offensive line. You look at those early 2000 teams with Nick Mangold and DeBrickishaw Ferguson, they were able to run the ball and they were able to protect the quarterback during those years, and the Jets haven't been able to do that in a long time. So that's where I put the biggest onus on Joe Douglas, in my opinion, as a Jet fan. He's been a good GM, but he missed on the Zach Wilson pick, and he hasn't addressed his offensive line at all. And thanks for the call, Justin. There's an element of bad luck in there also. Elijah Vera Tucker, their best offensive lineman, being hurt and lost for the season now two years in a row. That's part of the NFL, unfortunately. Look, how many years did the Giants lose to their best player in Saquon Barkley? Even this season, before the Giants season completely spiraled out of control, they fell below 500 because they lost Barkley at the tail end of that Arizona game. Injuries are part of the NFL, but you, you have to be able to overcome them to a certain degree. And here's the problem with the Jets as we're battling some noise here inside Spectre Center. The dance team is warming up before the game against the Knicks and the Hornets. But the problem with the Jets is that the Zach Wilson decision is costing you seasons. This is now two seasons that the Zach Wilson decision is costing you. It cost them last season because they were in position to go to the playoffs at seven and four, and they were playing a weak New England team, and they couldn't score a touchdown against them. The best thing that Zach Wilson did last year was not take accountability after the New England game. That at least gave the Jets a reason to remove him as their starting quarterback. And again, it's cost them this season. True or false, if the Jets have an average-level quarterback at that position this year, are they a playoff team? That is 100% true. And you cannot, like, you know, Bill Belichick at the tail end of his Hall of Fame career right now, he is losing seasons, right? This is a wasted season for New England. Last year was, the year before that was, Bill Belichick already has a lengthy Hall of Fame resume that is unassailable. All right. Who are Robert Sala and Joe Douglas? What now? They've both done some good things. Okay. And I've been, I've been complimentary of Douglas. My feeling on Douglas until the last few weeks has been, yes, he whiffed on the Zach Wilson pick, but the good far outweighs the, not far, the good outweighs the bad with Joe Douglas. Okay, but unfortunately, as we're on the verge of seeing a second season go by the wayside because of this one pick from the draft two years ago, I have now changed my tune on Joe Douglas. And the caller made a good point, Justin. You have to admit your mistakes. And I think that's a big part of why Zach Wilson is still here. The Jets felt they half admitted their mistake by bringing in Aaron Rodgers. And by the way, I don't know if a lot of people talk about this, but the Aaron Rodgers thing and the offensive line that they put in front of him. Remember, this was a team that wasn't built for Zach. It was built for Aaron Rodgers. The four, we, we talk about the four snaps that he played, which um, accumulated for his entire season, accounted for his entire season. Those four snaps, Aaron Rodgers was under siege. I remember commenting on maybe snap two or snap three of his season that this is completely different for Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, it was unfortunate that the Achilles went in that moment and we never got to experience this guy and we never got to enjoy this guy because it was going to be a lot of fun. But let's ask ourselves, if it didn't happen that night with this offensive line, 
what would Rodgers' season have looked like? Because those first four snaps, he was already running for his life. He was getting rid of the ball quickly. He went down on the play with the Achilles because the rush was right there anyway. What would his season have looked like anyway? I think, you know, it's a little bit of revisionist history to say, oh, they lost Rodgers and the season ended right there. Well, yeah, probably. But let's really take a good hard look and think about what this Jets offense would have looked like if it was Aaron Rodgers playing behind this offensive line. It's not a surefire 25 to 30 point a game offense, even with Aaron Rodgers, because of the offensive line. The thing that confounds me, he gave up money in the offseason. He came over. We know he did all the right things. We know that he said all the right things. Among the things that he did that was right was restructuring his contract to allow the Jets more financial flexibility. The thought was that was to bring in more help in front of him and around him. Where did that money go? They could certainly use it right now. 1-800-919-3776. More thoughts on the Jets. We'll get to the Knicks as well as we are in Charlotte, or at least I am, for the Knicks and the Hornets this evening as their road trip continues. And you can hear that right here at 98.7 ESPN New York.